Well, hi there, and welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and I'm so glad you're joining me. Hey, I want to take a minute before we get started and invite you to head over to our socials, Facebook and Instagram. Follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is our umbrella account that covers and highlights all the ministries of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. It includes our blog called Planted with great content, our mom to mom ministries aimed at encouraging mothers and motherhood. Our Regarding Him conference, it happens yearly each March, and of course, this podcast and all that comes with it. There is so much good content on these socials that you are not going to want to miss. So join them today. That will be in our show notes each and every week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory, like Google Podcast or Apple Podcast or CastBox. It helps us out, and it also helps you out because you get a notification of each new episode that drops each and every Thursday. You can also reach out to us at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you ever have any ideas or suggestions or thoughts about any episodes or episode content. Or maybe you just want to tell me about an episode that was encouraging to you. I'd love to hear that too. Finally, as you know, Unshaken is a podcast for women, and our goal is to encourage, challenge, and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. Hey, let's head right into today's episode. All right, well, welcome back to episode 110. And I want to welcome Erica back with me. We're going to be talking through some more chapters of Learning Contentment um, by Nancy Wilson. If you are just joining us for the first time, I want to encourage you to head back to our archives and listen to all of the previous episodes with the title Learning Contentment. I also want to encourage you to pick the book up and actually read it. It's just a really powerful and practical book and probably one that every woman, every Christian woman should have sitting on their bookshelf Mm -hmm. as a reference tool. All right, Erica, are you ready for this chapter, these chapters today? Yes, I can't believe we're here at the end, but we're ready. I know. We've just got a few to go over. Yeah. We're going to do them in today's episode, and um, then we're going to be done. And I feel like we should get together again and just talk about more problems that we have. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. I feel like that's what we do. We get together and think. Dredge up problems. <laughs> right. And how God should be is or is changing them, right? Yes, that's right. Um, and how we can focus on God. It actually is a good thing, and I'm really thankful that you've been here with me. Thank you. Me too. Um, so today we're going to talk about chapter nine in the book Learning Contentment. It's called Clay Pot Troubles. And actually a lot of this is directly from 2 Corinthians chapter four, which is a great chapter to read. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I do want to read a couple of verses before we jump into today. Um, I'm going to read for us 2 Corinthians chapter four, uh, verses seven through 11 and verses 17 and 18. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. 
And then verses 17 and 18 are some of my very favorite in the entire Bible. I love these verses and I've loved them since high school, like a long time ago. That's a long time ago, by the way. (laughs) Um, For this momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I mean, this entire chapter um, focuses on this kind of crazy concept that we can really take pleasure of sorts in our troubles. We Not because our troubles are so great or amazing or to take pride in the trouble, but it's because our God is great and amazing. And we can take pride and we can find strength in God. First, I think it's important to share that from the very first couple of sentences in this chapter, Nancy writes, faithful women today are in great need of contentment, just as they always have been. There is no era, past, present, or future in which we don't need our faith stirred up in our hope fixed on Christ, no matter what our particular troubles and challenges. I think one easy thing to do is to believe this false view that the past was easier. Mm. And if only we lived in a different place or a different time or had a different situation, Um, everything would be okay. But these are just wrong thinking about contentment. Women in the 1800s, I'm sure, dealt with contentment. Mm -hmm. Um, Women in the biblical days, I'm sure, dealt with contentment. Mm -hmm. And women in, you know, 2050 are going to deal with contentment. Um, I think it's a great chapter to talk because everybody listening has some kind of a challenge, struggle, disappointment, sickness, grief. And if there is anything that we should believe, it would be that we're going to face these sorts of challenges. And I, I guess that kind of leads us into our very first question. Take stock of your troubles. Like, let's take a look at them. Mm-hmm. Are they clay pot troubles? And how can the glory of God shine in your present troubles? Erica, I'm going to make you answer that question. So, <laughs> okay. Well, I'll give it a stab here. Um I, I think I've mentioned this before too, but I, I also love Second Corinthians chapter 4. I mean probably all of us do but um one of my favorite chapters in scripture too and to me it just shows um something of the eternal that we need to understand as christians and it's that we have this soul or this Mm. unseen thing but it's a very real thing and it's in every person it's the part of us that is made in the image of god Mm. so if our soul has been saved by christ then we're able to and we should be displaying God's glory. So we hold this treasure in a clay cracked pot, which is our body, our vessel. And so for the Christian, even though we're outwardly fading away, we're aging every year we get older and there are signs of slowing down, inwardly, and this is the hope that I love, we can be renewed day by day. We are being renewed if we're in Christ. And we can give a lot of attention to the day by day. So the troubles that we face are actually doing something in us and for us because they're sanctifying us and they're making us more like Jesus if we are trained by them. Hmm. So when we trust God with contentment in our trials, that somehow brings him glory and it changes us to be more like Jesus. I think it's amazing. That is quite amazing that going through trials and when we and really it's the key word you said is when we put our trust in Christ Mm. because going through trials isn't actually what makes us more like Christ right it's the trust which is part of our sanctification right of through that process that's good okay so Erica have you seen others in hard circumstances who have by their faith made God's grace shine like that's kind of what you were just talking about right how can we have God shine through us in those difficulties so do you know of women 
I do. And I'm sure, you know, we all can think of people that we know like this, but I'm just thinking of a few women I know who are believers whose husbands aren't maybe. Mm. And I think this can be a really hard path to walk um, because it's divided. You know, you yeah. feel that you, you have the Lord is your Lord and yet you're to honor your husband. So how do you reconcile those? But I do know many women who do this well and have found ways to honor both of them um, and the Lord first and then their husband. So it also brings to mind moms who are praying for the salvation of wayward kids. Yes. And I think there's just this mm. constant ache in their heart for their children or their child, but still they go on trusting God and living their lives. Um, and that's a real encouragement to me. I actually had a conversation with a woman recently who is in this very situation. She mm-hmm. has prayed for years mm-hmm. for a wayward child. And um, I, in my conversation with her, I could sense that there was, there's a great amount of discouragement that happens, but also a great amount of encouragement knowing that God can do anything. Yeah. Like I think in our conversation, she was almost reminding herself mm-hmm. of the fact that God has even changed her and that God has changed and she named specific people whose lives were very far from God. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we know that even one step away from God is far from God. Mm-hmm. There's not a too far that you can't be returned. Okay. And um, But the great thing is, as we talked, she actually kind of encouraged herself mm-hmm. <laughs> in the reminders and I I said to her, this is great. This is what you have to do. Like, I know that for me, I I think in any discouragement, it's good to be reminded, which is really encouraging ourselves. And really the best thing to do is with what God is doing and seeing his word. Right, right. And sometimes you have to go on trusting even when it, while it's hurting, you know, you're, that's not a situation that can get wrapped up real quick sometimes, but right. it can, like you said, you yeah. know, God can certainly well, do that. Well, in, in these situations of the people she mentioned, they lived for years in the world, wow. doing lots of things. We would all go, whoa, you know. That's so encouraging. But God, God changed them. Change and it. then when he changed them, it did happen in an instance. Amen. And God does that. He does work like that. Amen. So, yeah, I know that, like, we're going to talk about this in chapter 10 as well, um, which gets into a little bit more of grief and suffering and uh, things that hit really deep but um, in one sense just getting back to this this chapter you might think well I haven't had to go through anything big mm-hmm. um, and probably if you haven't yet of course we all will this is the way life is but when I think of women I know in ongoing challenges it's just one day of faithfulness at a time mm-hmm. so day after day this adds up to years and these years add up to a lifetime so I, um, you know, just want to remind some of us that it is the daily faithfulness to trust God one day at a time. There are times where you have big events and sufferings and people walk through those trials and shine Christ brightly, but it's also the daily adding up that is a life lived for God. And I think that's good. I I love that. I love that. It's just a one day of faithfulness at a time. Mm. And that is such an encouragement to anyone going through a trial, whether it's a wayward child or a unsaved loved one or a cancer diagnosis, a loss of job, whatever, it's just one day faithfulness. Like we don't have to plan out the next 12 years. Right. We just need to say today I'll choose to be faithful to God and obey him and trust that he's got a plan mm, and pray. Good. Pray I think is a big one. That's good. So what are some hard circumstances, Julie, where maybe you've seen God shine through someone's faith? We, we know there's the daily and then there's the big. Yeah, so. yeah right. Um, well, yes, I can think of many women who have exemplified Christ 
as they struggled through hard circumstances and they kept their eyes on Christ. They shined for God so brightly that all could see. Um, you probably know this, Erica, but I am a huge fan of biographies. In fact, I have a couple sitting on my desk right now that I'm determined to read this summer. Um, and as we record it, we're in the beginning of July. So I got only a little bit to go here. I got to get going. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but I love the famous ones. And I know that I've mentioned this before, but I'm a huge fan of Corey Ten Boom. Um, I think she's just a perfect example of someone who had some, I mean, like probably the most difficult circumstances, being in a concentration camp, watching her father die, knowing her sister was um, sick. I mean, all these things. And she trusted Christ through it all. And actually, she even shared the gospel of Jesus with her other concentration camp prisoners and some of the guards and I just think her example is a great one and if you've never read The Hiding Place you need to make that on your list Mm. I I also think of Elizabeth Elliot I know she's another very famous um, Christian example Um, but she her her book Through the Gates of Splendor is wonderful and I highly recommend reading that one and The Hiding Place Elizabeth Elliot is so crazy to me because her circumstances brought this intense amount of grief Mm -hmm. Her husband was killed at the hands of the very people that they were trying to share the gospel of Jesus with. And that's crazy. But what really gets me is that she didn't just stop and move back to the States and raise her daughter and, you know, send her to a regular traditional school and have a little house on a little street with a picket fence. But instead, she took that daughter, she took her daughter and headed right back into those tribes to speak the truth of Jesus to the very people who killed her husband. And there is so many lessons to learn from her life, but I definitely think contentment is definitely a big one. I also think that um, on the podcast, we've had multiple women who've gone through some pretty difficult things. And one particular episode that if you have not listened, I would encourage you to go back. It's called One Woman's Journey. And it's the story of my dear friend, Julie, who and the challenges that she faced as she dealt with cancer, leukemia, death. I mean, just so much. I mean, I can't even give you all the things she dealt with in a sentence. It's just too many. But that is a really good one. And I know she struggled with contentment many times, but I'm a girl who loves to hear someone who's struggling too because I struggle. Mm -hmm. And to see that she didn't just struggle and leave it there, she kept moving towards Christ. And I think that's good. I also want to share one more book. Okay, I'm on the book feel right now, but Mm -hmm. it is called Faithful Women and Their Extraordinary God by Noelle Piper. And it is actually a great story great book for women who have not really got the biography bug like Mm. they haven't really gotten into reading biographies because it actually is a book with individual chapters of shortened biographies of I think six or eight Christian women Mm. and they're so good I I think maybe Elizabeth Elliot might be in there but one particular one that really hit me was a woman named a Korean woman named Esther Ahn Kim now I don't know if I'm saying that right but get the book and read it She really dealt with, oh my, her family disowned her for being a Christian. The state attacked her, sickness, homelessness, horrific imprisonment, like to the point that, you know, she was crazy thankful that these apples were rotten and moldy that they were given because her teeth had all fallen out. And she said, I can eat them. I'm so thankful to God for bringing me rotten apples. I sat there and thought, when I read that, like, whoa, and I'm like irritated that my, you know, my apple, my honey crisp apples are kind of not really very good right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, great book to read. And I, I think that's a really good thing to do is to read about famous Christians. I think it reminds us consistently, and, and this is true reading the Bible because there's a lot of stories there too about contentment mm-hmm. and they're just really good. Mm-hmm. 
Erica, what is one of our arguments, though, in the midst of troubles that keeps us from boasting in our troubles? Yeah, this, I wanted to stop here for a minute, obviously, stopping to talk, but because I really haven't thought through about how to boast in troubles much Mm. before now. Like, on one hand, we're told not to boast or brag in Scripture because it's prideful. Um, And then we're also told not to complain in Scripture because it's actually discontentment or dissatisfaction. So um, how are we supposed to boast in our troubles and our weaknesses? I mean, this isn't like sitting around talking about your bum knee all day. Um, <laughs> it's not, It's not. you know, bragging on, on what we've done, but I think it may have something to do with recognizing that we are broken clay pots, all oh. of us, and that being saved by Christ, our vessels are given great power by the Spirit living in us. So God wants us to display that power and glory to the world to make him known. And he somehow uses us amazingly. God is magnified when the vessel is, bro- is broken, hmm. when it's in trouble. And so it displays his work best when the odds are stacked against us. And we're able to boast in our weaknesses, recognizing that I'm not doing this work because I'm incapable of this work, but it is God in me. Right. And so even in the cases of these amazing books that you just mentioned, it's God allowing them to continue on while their child has died. It's God's love allowing them to share the gospel with the lost, even though they killed her precious husband. And it's your trust in God, which allows you to believe that he's still working for our good even when we are facing terrible circumstances. So our boasting and weakness, I think it speaks to all that clearly we are not the source of our greatness. We don't have greatness. But instead, it's saying, can't you see my weakness? Hmm. It's clearly not me doing this. It's God. And he wants you to see his strength in contrast to my weakness. So I think that's how we boast in our weakness. That that maybe helps understand um, that the mantra... You got this girl, um, isn't right? Yeah. Because it's really God's got this yes. girl. And because it's easy, I have seen so many people who are struggling through some kind of illness with that mantra, you know, like, mm. I, I've got this. I'm, I'm going to conquer this cancer. Right. I'm going to overcome this situation, but it's not us at all. And that's actually not boasting in the right way. Right. It's boasting in Christ. That was really good how you explained that to us and helpful. Um, I also think this. Another part of the answer is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go right back to that chapter because yes. it's really good. Maybe. Towards the end of the chapter, it says in verse 16 that we do not lose heart. Mm-hmm. Um, for though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. It also tells us that we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary or transient. Mm-hmm. That's the clay pot in front of us, right? That's broken and damaged. But fixing our eyes on what is unseen and eternal, that's where we have to put our eyes. He's the God, mm-hmm. I should say, who can fix that broken pot. Mm. And he's the, he's the owner of it. I don't think that that's easy, though. I actually think it's easier to look at the problem <laughs> rather than Christ. Um, I find myself, I need to retrain myself often. And, and as I sat with that woman at my kitchen table recently, I was reminded that she was actually doing that. She was retraining her brain as we sat there, reminding herself that although her son is far away from God right now, that God can work and we need to keep praying. Mm. And um, I think that's why I'm blessed to have problems in my life, actually, mm. because I tend to be like, I got this. Yeah. I got this girl. You know, I, I would never say that probably, but that's definitely my mantra. Yeah. 
And I need to make sure that if that I have my eyes focused on Christ and that he is the author of my life. He's the author of my problems. And he's the also the one who will fix them. Right. Okay, so um, Erica, one of the things that they talked about in the book is the idea that we should be taking pleasure in our troubles. Like, hello, that does not make any sense to me at all. I know. What do you think? Well, that is a frame of mind I am thinking, but yeah. uh, hard to get into. And I think after focusing on this book, it should be helpful in making it easier, right? But mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like using and building up a muscle. And Nancy talks about that, that the more you practice contentment, the more that muscle is strengthened and you'll be able to do that when, you know, harder times come. Um, but in another sense, it's like I need reminded almost every time a new challenge or trial comes. Like I need that muscle memory mm-hmm. to come back. And it sometimes takes me a while um, yes. to get there. It's a heart struggle. But um, I know some I've listened to the podcast and some girls are like, oh, I, I didn't listen or I won't listen back. But I always listen back to the episodes that we've done. But Mostly yeah. as a way to check myself yeah. and, not, and just maybe you have to take it down if something we said isn't true. Um, Which has course, not happened. Good. Praise the Lord. But, um, you know, it's just good. I just go back and listen. But um, if at any point I want to say that, you know, it seems like, yeah, we got this figured out. I have this figured out. <laughs> Please really, truly know that I do not. Or me either. <laughs> I have so much... Um, you know, failing and I'm regularly failing. So, so much of our Christian journey is, you know, we're struggling and contending in order to hold on to faith or to mm-hmm. grow in faith. And so I don't think contentment is ever a completed work. It's an mm. ongoing work. And so we overcome when we trust God more than we fear our circumstances and our trials. And this is a challenge, a total challenge, but by the power of God in us, we can. Mm. And so I hope I can get quicker and more consistent at it. But um, certainly, uh, it's a work. That should be our new mantra. By the power of God in us, we can. Mm. Right? Rather than, you got it, girl. Yeah. Like, that's our new mantra. New way we should live. Yes, that's so true. I don't know. How about you, Julie? What do you... Well, I think one of the key ways that we can walk through, you know, troubles and actually have some pleasure through them is, and keep our eyes focused on Christ, is to stay reading God's word. I mean, I say that virtually every episode Mm -hmm. and stay in fellowship with other believers through church and Bible studies and be diligent to pray. I think those things, those three things are huge. Mm -hmm. Um, I've recently been working on prayer more. I don't know why, but in my own efforts, I think I can just do things on my own and I don't need to pray. I know that I have seen God work through answers to prayer. I've seen them in my family. I've seen them in friends. And and I know that many people who have prayed um, and God has answered and worked even in sometimes they didn't expect, but for some reason I struggle with prayer and that is actually one of my summer goals. And I actually think that's something I'm working on this summer a lot because I want to be more quick to pray. And I think that's a way to say, I am taking pleasure in this trouble because it's bringing me to Christ. Mm -hmm. It's making me want to pray more and more diligently through whatever. And this can be like, I don't know, you know, little you know, things in my, in my, on my land property or something, you know, like it, oh, it rained again and I can't mow my lawn, you know, like that may mm-hmm. be a mini trouble. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I need to get it done today. How am I going to do this? That's a time to pray, but it could be something much bigger, like a diagnosis or a health scare or, you know, a, a difficulty with a, a child or a family member, you know, there are, our troubles are not always the same and they're not always 
the same size. Mm -hmm. But really, God calls us to pray. So I guess I think that that's really important and that helps me through trials and challenges because I can take pleasure in that. I also think one of my favorite things is being vulnerable with other women. Okay, that's not my favorite thing. That was dumb. It's nobody's favorite thing to be vulnerable. But I think being vulnerable with women and sharing your real heart and what's really going on with, I'm not saying all over everything, like all over Facebook or with every Bible study you're ever in, you tell every single problem you have. But finding a couple good women who will stand with you and will pray with you and who will love you and who will speak truth and will also encourage you mm-hmm. is so good because Satan wants us to be isolated in our troubles. He wants us to separate ourselves. And I think that's so important to reach out to others. Mm-hmm. All right, Erica, I guess we've got that down. Clay pot troubles, right? Mm-hmm. No, we do not. <laughs> wink, wink. Okay, let's jump into chapter 10. Um, I, I'm sure this is going to get a whole bunch easier. Okay, we've got to be getting to the end of the book. So... I think maybe this is the chapter that I will not be convicted. What do you think? Hmm, I'm guessing no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but well, we'll we're going to see. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is chapter 10, and it's called Contentment and Grief. Erica, why don't you tell us a little bit about chapter 10? Okay, well, this chapter, basically, Nancy helps us apply contentment to some of the hardest things in life, in grief and in death. So she writes, um, everything about our lives is under his good design and care. So even in grief, we can learn to have contented hearts. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I love one of the quotes in this chapter, and I'm just going to read it right from the book. It says, grieving is not a sin, Mm -hmm. but it must be stewarded wisely. We are not to let our hearts be troubled. Rather, we are to believe in Jesus, remembering the big picture. This is godly grief. And I think that was so important to remember that grieving is not sin, Mm -hmm. but it can cross over into sin if we do not steward it carefully. Yes. Um, Have you ever tried to find contentment in in grief? Uh, I have, and it was really hard. (laughs) But um, I think it's a process, and I learned that it took a regular and daily weeding out of my heart and my thoughts. So really trying to let God's word correct my wrong thinking or my bitter thoughts Mm. that wanted to take root so easily. And it was daily intentional work, as Nancy calls it, my duty. Mm. Um, And so I think, you know, God shows us that we need to be doing that. Um, So my grief in in the case in my life was as a result of sins. But um, there are other things that might cause great grief. Times like when the death of a loved one or a sickness is thrown upon us um, and we have to walk through it. And sometimes we just have to survive it. Mm-hmm. And I think that God is calling us to walk through it with a trust in his good design and care, even in our lowest seasons. Mm. Yeah, that is really powerful, Erica, to think about. Um, there is so much grief we deal with. I, I love the John Piper quote. It's a famous one and I love it. He said, occasionally weep over the life you hoped you would have. Grieve the losses, then wash your face and trust God and embrace the life that you do have now. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's just a great quote. It is exactly what this whole chapter is about. Grieving is not a sin. Grieving is not wrong. But grieving can and usually does go bad if we don't move on and if we don't trust God in that grief. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's important to think through that. Um, Erica, how can we help comfort others if they are discontent in their grief? Mm-hmm. I think reminding people or women of God's promises 
I need reminded of God's promises when I'm in grief, and I'm so thankful for the friends that mm. have done that, do do that for me, not just friends, but women, um, other church members. And what his word says, um, also encouraging each other not to give up or to quit, mm. but instead to get up. I love that. Wash your face. Now, I know there are books written about that. This is not <laughs> self-empowerment. Right. It's not. Um, it's trust. It's saying, I'm going to leave this at God's feet and, mm-hmm. and I've brought it and I've prayed over it and I'm going to wash my face and I'm going to get up and keep going mm-hmm. and even when we fall and fail so finally um, I think it's getting back to duties what is the next thing in front of you mm. now grief you know there is a time to mourn mm-hmm. and um, I'm not saying get right to it get right back to work um, there's time you have to give yourself time sometime but Um, Know when that comes and our duties come calling when we need to do the next thing in front of us. So I think godly, she points out this difference that godly grief receives comfort with kindness and grace. Mm. Even if there's awkward things people say or they don't quite understand or they don't, it receives that with kindness and grace in that grief. But an ungodly grief shuts people out Mm. and like has no grace to extend and it can grow bitter and self-pitying it just refuses to be comforted. It almost mm. feels like God is punishing me or God has turned his back on me. But godly grief says God is with me and mm-hmm. he will walk me through this. So yeah. it's a different. Well, and along with your, you know, ungodly grief shuts people out. It's mm-hmm. the isolation that I mentioned yeah. before. Oftentimes when we are going through any trouble, it's very easy to think that first off, when we're isolated, we think no one else has dealt with it. Right. But I don't know about you, Erica, but usually when I go through some kind of a trial, I find women who have dealt with almost the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it looks a little different, but, and definitely women who can pray with me. And I've never found a woman who says, you are such an idiot that you are, <laughs> that yeah. you are wanting to tell me about your trial. You know, I've never heard someone say that to me, which I'm really thankful for. Most women are, even if they don't know what the trial is, they're willing to pray for me. Mm-hmm. And they are willing to encourage me. And often they'll follow up two weeks later and say, how's it going? Mm -hmm. And so I I think that is such a key thing that you said, that we need to have godly grief and that it allows people to come along with us on that journey. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good. Mm -hmm. Now, some women I know have gone through many different types of grief, you know, and we can think of the grief often under the word, under the idea that it's a grief of a loved one, some a death. But it could be like a valuable job. I mean, I've, I've no, known women who all of a sudden lost their job. Um, it could be that their lives just isn't what they thought. Like I mentioned before, a woman who decides, oh, I wish I would have gotten married when I was young or I had that chance or I wish that I had had more children or I wish that I had, you know, bought that house on that street instead of this one. This would have solved it. Um, and... I think the best thing we can do to comfort others, I think, is to check in with them. I think reaching out to them and just like what you said, reminding them of God's promises. I think women who are grieving some kind of loss need their sisters in Christ to stand with them. Mm -hmm. And um, probably the worst thing they can do is isolate themselves. Well, um, and it's so easy and it's so tempting to do when we're in grief. Okay, so, you know, let's talk for a minute. What's the difference, Erica, between grief and discontent? Okay, so I mean, kind of just talked about it a little bit before, but I'm thinking of an example of a couple um, that we go to church with, and they were without children, and so started fostering an infant 
little girl from birth and they had her for many months and it looked like they would be able to adopt her but in the end it fell through and it was a devastating time Mm. in many ways um and from a spiritual point of view even it seemed like it would have been best for this little girl to be raised in a christian home but god had other plans and so it was a huge grief at that time and many people felt it for them and from an outside point of view i knew it was incredibly hard for them but i also saw god working in and through them Mm. and i marveled at their faith as they stood on the promises that god was in control and he would care for this little girl and he would care for them And I know it took a lot of contending to stand on God's promises and for them to trust that he had not left them. He had not forsaken them. If we think back to that verse in Hebrews, like this is the promise. And so they had to believe that. And as I've watched them remain through the years in this little girl's life, um, God has allowed for that to take place. And she is growing and, and knows their family. And God has blessed them with their own children now. And their heart is still with her. So I don't know why it all came through this hardship, but I do see God's glory displayed in their trusting him. Mm. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. It, I, I hope that everyone who's listening can look around themselves because they're actively involved in a local church and can mm-hmm. see people who are doing that very yeah. thing. I think it's really good and, and to reach out and encourage them. Yeah. And probably a few women listening are in the middle of a challenge of sorts, yes. a grief. And um, I encourage you to keep seeking Christ. I think those are just really, really great things to do. Um, I know I've mentioned it before in this episode, um, but I'm going to mention it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do re- recommend that you go back and listen to the episode entitled One Woman's Journey. Um, Julie Morgan and I chit-chatted, and she had just some great, great encouragement about how to deal with grief. Um, I also encourage you to head back to another episode that we did, and it was equally good. It was called Season of Life busyness and beyond and in this particular episode I talked with two women but one of them talked about the challenge of what you do when your life becomes so busy because you are caring for a family member who is dying Mm -hmm. and it was really good and I had not thought about all the things that we chit-chatted about and the um, way to look at godly grief and focus on somebody's death like this particular situation was right in her home So um, really, really good stuff. Um, Erica, what does the book say and how can you and I be prepared for godly grief? Uh, Before I I speak to that, I want to also echo your episode with Julie Morgan um, and just really kind of testify how God used that time in my life and other people's lives. I knew Julie during that time of her daughter's illness and I personally grew through witnessing her and her husband's faith in God Mm -hmm. through this terrible circumstance many years ago now. And up to that point in my life, I hadn't seen very many people walk through deep waters faithfully. And God really did something through that for me. So it's not that you need to bear the burden of being strong for other people's sake, but we do need to know that as we put our trust in God, our witness in grief and trial is actually doing something for the body of Christ. It's how God works among his people. Hmm. And so your faithfulness, our faithfulness, is making an impact in other people's lives. That is so encouraging Mm. and so good and such a good reminder. It is. And it really, I mean, it was very meaningful to me Mm. and it wasn't even close to them. So I just think that we all can be encouraged by that. Um, And, you know, not to give too, they trusted the Lord. God gets the glory, but Mm -hmm. it was definitely um, his work. Well, we watched, we watched their lives as they went through it. 
and they did give glory to God, but we yes. watched how they respond. Yes. Although they weren't perfect um, in everything they, they did faithful. because none of us are, but they were faithful. Yes. That's the word. It's and I loved so that. Powerful. So, so thank you guys. <laughs> um, but back to preparing for godly grief. Nancy uses a quote from Samuel Rutherford, which doesn't mince words. Basically, he says very kindly, uh, but very directly to a friend who was ill. Uh, you have a sickness before you, and after that, a death. Therefore, gather food for the journey. God give you eyes to see through sickness and death, and to see something beyond mm. death. So he is meaning, take provisions that will carry you into eternity. Um, first of all, not a lot of people speak plainly that we may be sick and then we will die. Mm, you know, we right. like to think we'll stay 20 forever in America. Um, but it's not true. And death will come to all of us. So yep. um, if not us personally, of course, the people we love will die. So take provisions that will carry you into eternity. If you can't take earthly pr provisions, which we can't, then we ought to be taking things that are eternal. So mm. contentment is eternal. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So this is the kind of spirit and attitude that we can take with us and transforms us for our next mm. life. Yes, that's good. It's it's actually um, going back to the verse we talked about in Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, where it says, "So we fix our eyes yeah. on what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal." Yes. And that's actually living it out in just how you ex described it. Mm -hmm. And in his quote, living. For Christ means we live for eternity. Right. Uh, what's the famous quote by Jonathan Edwards? Um, I can't remember all the words. I'm gonna. I don't have this written in my notes. So, but it's something about having eternity stamped on my eyeballs, mm. and I I have that written on my phone because how often I get my I don't know what I do. I do not get my eyes in the right place. Mm -hmm. But I definitely need to have eternity stamped on my eyeballs. That might help me. Yeah, me too. It would look weird, but I could <laughs> I could do it. Okay, so this is really important. How does Jesus show us how to do this? Yeah, that's, that is worth spending a lot of time thinking about because, of course, he's our example and he's the finisher of our faith. So mm -hmm. when I think about how Jesus stood before his accusers like a lamb before a shearer, he was still and perfectly reliant on God. Like, how can you do it any different or better right. than that? But so hard. Um, he put himself into the hands of sinful men while fully entrusting his future to God. So he knew that God, he knew God, he knew God so well that he could obey in this most difficult task of laying down his life. And so if we would know God so well that we could trust him and his promises enough to lay down our own lives, our own agendas, or to make sacrifices when required, We'd be willing to lose the precious things in this life for Christ's sake. Because Jesus says he who lays down his life for Christ's sake will find it in the end. Hmm. Um, that's hard. That's hard stuff. Yeah. But I think if we really do know who God is and we see him and we fix our eyes on him, just what you've been saying, Julie, um, then everything else really does become loss. Right. Because he's our great gain. Yeah. And Jesus modeled this perfectly for us. Yeah, that's really great. I'm just going to read another whole quote out of the book because I think it was super duper encouraging. Um, and I think it was a great when, way for us to end this episode. Nancy writes, In all things we are to glorify God, even in difficulties and disappointments. We are to thank him always in 
for everything. Gratitude and difficulty is a protection to discontentment. Did you hear that? That's really interesting. Gratitude and difficulty is a protection from discontentment. Wow. So being thankful in the midst of a challenge, whatever it is, is actually God's protection for us against being discontent in that circumstance. So our focus should be on thankfulness and gratitude. And as we've mentioned before, our eyes need to be focused on Christ, not on our difficulty. And I guess what a great thing we should think about this week. Are we truly being grateful in the midst of whatever difficulty, no matter how big or small it is? Maybe we should ask ourselves, what is the difficulty right now that I'm struggling through and what can I be thankful for in this difficulty? I think it would be wise to say, let's just start with one thing I think we can be thankful for right now in this difficulty. Maybe it's journaling it, writing it in a notebook, or maybe it's writing it on a whiteboard in your kitchen if you're one of those people or you've got a letter board. I don't know, putting it out so you see it. I think it's a little bit like riding a bike, okay? So the first time we learn how to ride a bike, we don't go very far. We hardly make it three you know swoops around with our pedals and we fall scrape up our knee it's hard but the more we do it um, the easier it gets and we're then riding our bike everywhere we're down to the corner store you know we can ride up and down hills you know Mm -hmm. Um, and we might even be riding without touching our handlebars because it's becoming second nature Mm -hmm. and that's my hope and my goal I want that gratitude and thankfulness to be my second nature and something that I do. I want it to just be something I do without even thinking about it. And I think in order to do it, we've got to practice it every day. Just like we practice, you know, riding our bikes. Erica, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much, Julie. It's really been good. So many good things to talk about. Mm -hmm. And we got one more episode that we're going to finish up, uh, focusing on the last little bit of the book, one chapter and the appendix. Can you believe we're going to actually talk about the appendix? It's kind of crazy. Join us next week as we talk about another instance of practicing contentment. Um, I need that kind of contentment every day. And, And this is where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? It's like in our everyday. My guest is going to share with us her surprising joy. Actually, that's the title for next week's episode is A Surprising Joy. And I'm going to give you just a little hint. Okay, it's a secret. Don't tell anyone. Um, It's actually related to one of her children and how God taught her so much through her special needs child. I think it's going to be a really great episode. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.